Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast. I am your host, Juan Yala. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Ampersand. In honor of Black History Month, we are joined by a wonderful panel of talent, executives, and industry professionals for a conversation on the current state of diversity and representation in the industry and what the next step is for continued progress. Joining us today, Carrington Simmons, Vice President of Content and Programming at HBCU Go, Jay Bernard Calloway, Broadway TV and film actor and star of The Miss Pad Show on BET Plus, and Aaron Finkelstein, head of recruitment at Ampersand. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thanks thank for having me. Right on. So, uh, looking at the entertainment industry, uh, inclusion and representation in front of the camera is proportionate with the Black population in the US, but behind the scenes is another story. Uh, the amount of Black directors, producers, writers, and executives is a fraction. Uh, of what the amount of actors are. So similarly, uh, the fraction of the actors are only given prominent leading roles compared to supporting roles and uh, smaller roles that they get in these projects. And similarly, leadership positions in media, entertainment, and advertising are also not where they should be. So a question for everyone on the panel, what needs to change in order for improvement and progress to continue? Is it access? Is it research and due diligence? Is it outreach? Uh, Carrington, I'd love to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, I, I think there's no true uh, simple answer, right? I think that it's a mix of a few things. I think when you talk about, you know, opportunities and access, understanding what, you know, opportunities exist and how, how do you get to those? Um, you know, a lot of the times, uh, especially in the, you know, the AA community, um, we're not abreast to a lot of those opportunities. And so I think a lot of the times, um, you know, students, as, as we work with HBCUs, of course, um, you know, they don't necessarily hear about the same opportunities or get these chances to showcase, you know, what they can do. And I think a lot of the times it also plays into, you know, it, it's those internships, right? Having the ability mm -hmm. to work with those kind of brands. And, you know, even for us, it's one of the things that we're heavy on is that, you know, when you're able to work with or even intern um, with some of these major brands and, and production companies, it does help when you go to other opportunities, um, you know, just because, uh, when they come in, you know, the fact that there will not be a learning curve and they kind of understand the industry, um, that always helps, right? Um, because it's a fast-paced industry, things are moving very quick, um, and things change every day. So I think really as you look at it, it's really getting, you know, the ability to to really find out what those opportunities are. Because here's the here's the reality, right? You know, we're getting the the knowledge in terms of how do you do content, how do you produce content, filming, editing, and all those things. But it means nothing if you can't get past that to that front door, right? And so that's cool. what it really, I think is it, it starts with the, you know really getting that access and the opportunity to show the talent level that you have, and and really that's all you're asking for, right? Just the ability to showcase what you can do in the same space. Yeah. And uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Uh, the you know I'm just going to piggyback on what my brother just said um it's it starts uh for me uh through my process uh, at the institution of higher learning uh at that level i went to hbcu also too i went to alabama state university uh, where i got my ba in theater back in 1997 and i think it's important that the people that um are governing these programs at the hbcus in particular are able to bring in programs that enlighten performing artists i'm gonna speak from a performing artist point of view um to to enlighten them on what the, the the industry what they're getting into before they get out there and what i mean by that is starting out with like a showcase at least right at the end of the tenure 
right? Most of these schools, the NYU's, the Yale's, Carnegie uh, 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 Mellon's, they have a showcase at the end of the tenure to where with, they can go to a major city like New York or LA or Chicago and showcase the class so that representation and producers and casting directors can see their work. A lot of those things are not available to, to those institutions. It's just like I played football in college also too. So you go to a school like Alabama State University, you're not gonna get a look like UM, which is University of Miami and University of Michigan and all the big 10 schools. Um, it just so happens to be that, you know, you may have someone on board as a coach who has a connection versus um, the, the university itself uh, uh, um, being highlighted for recruiters to come out to see the the athletes uh, in their in their form, and I believe the same way for performing artists in theater. And wherewith, if you have that showcase, then you're able to at least uh, bridge the gap between leaving the institution of higher learning and going into the workforce. You know, um, and when that's there, to me, it it, it gives hope. It gives uh, it lets the student know that it, you know these things are attainable. And, and that the gifts and in, in the time that they spent in the institution of higher learning is not taken for granted. You know what I'm saying? And then they have mm -hmm. the opportunity to open themselves up and, and let everyone show, showcases the word to see their work, to see what they bring to the table, to have those opportunities. Um, I think mm -hmm. if that's done starting at the ground level, there more opportunities would open up. And uh, Aaron, as a head of recruitment at Ampersand, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, what needs to change in the ad agency world and the uh, business side of, of entertainment and of media? Absolutely. Um, I think first and foremost is I think executives need to get used to being a little uncomfortable. Um, right now, what you see is we've definitely made progress um, as an industry on the business side when it comes to like hiring entry level positions. And, you know, I think that's a testament to some of the phenomenal programs out there that are doing a great job kind of bringing um, underrepresented groups uh, to, you know, the advertising industry. I think the challenge in our industry is if you look at the executive level uh, folks, um, unfortunately that doesn't necessarily always represent Kind of the entry level talent in our in our organizations as an industry so i think a lot of this boils down to as executives you know there's a very there's a lot of pressure to hit kpis and business goals and the amount of risk someone's willing to take in terms of hiring someone with transferable skills they're constantly weighing that out and i think we need to do a better job at taking that risk and bringing folks into the industry that unfortunately just haven't had that opportunity uh to mm -hmm. enter it and uh, Jay, so coming from the theater world uh, as well, where representation is uh, slowly moving in the right direction on stage, but it's a bit behind compared to uh, television and, uh, uh, and, and film as, as especially as well. And uh, what would you say needs to change on that side of entertainment uh, in terms of uh, the theater companies and the producers and, and that level in theater? To, to be able to see an artist for what they bring to the table versus what they what you're looking at versus what I mean by that is just because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black man who happens to be an actor. When I step into the room, I'm, or, or when my representation sends over for submissions with my headshot and resume and things like that, I'm already put behind the black ball just because of a, a color. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's just like when people say, Hey, I'm going to go see some theater. Right. But when they're going to go see theater that happens to be a black play, they like, I'm going to go see some black theater. Right. I think if we if we take that denominator out of the equation, 
and and look at each other as performing artists and peers versus just a color, then I think the gulf would open up and, and producers would be able to see see artists for who they are, not for, for what they see. Soon, when I step in the room, before I even open my mouth one, I'm already put up against the wall sometimes because they're already judging me, hmm. right? They're already judging who they may think I am or am not. But then when I open my mouth and if they, they look at my resume, they say, oh, you played the Grinch. You're the first black guy to play the Grinch globally. You're the first guy to do this, the first guy to do that. I say, hey, listen, that is all great. But how about just looking at me as an artist, looking at what I can bring to the table? Another example I want to make make known one is a lot of times what happens in our shows, I use uh, Memphis the Musical, for example. I did Memphis the Musical on Broadway. We won four Tonys. And um, before we got to Broadway, a lot of times what happens to actors like myself, when you get to Broadway, the producers feel like, okay, we got to fill the seats. We got we to gotta sell tickets, right? Understandable, that's business. I get it. But at the end of the day, a lot of times what happens is they hire celebrities to come in and play these roles on the bigger stage because they're trying to sell these tickets. But then the show doesn't last because the integrity of the show is not met because the right person or the right individual, the right artist isn't playing that role. They chose to go to use uh, nothing against Wayne Brady, nothing against said anytime. I'm just using people that they probably would have brought in if they didn't use me. Uh, Wayne Brady and said in the tent and bring them in. Versus, hey, you know what? Jay Bernard Calloway is the best guide for this role. Let's let's keep him in it because what's going to happen is the story is going to go. It's, it's already a great story, right? And because of it being a great story, him playing this role, that you know we're going to see the greatness in this piece because the right person is playing the role. Versus going to go somewhere else to try to hire somebody to bring in just because of their celebrity and just because they want to sell tickets. Like I said, I have nothing against the business aspect of it, but at the same time, it I think it taints the integrity of any piece that's being done simply because I am not, you know, making a hundred million dollars a week or something like that, or I'm not that person. I'm not Meryl Streep or anything like. None against Meryl Streep. Love her. She's a phenomenal storyteller. But I think I understand. I think you guys understand what I'm saying here. Hmm. When it gets to that point, and you transition over into the Broadway circuit. It's like, okay, now we're not going to use you anymore with work. What we're going to do is bring in somebody else that that their name is bigger, their global name is bigger, and they bring it. But you know what? I don't think they were right for this part, but you know what? We sold this. We sold these tickets. We made this money. But now the show is going to close. Before we continue, just want to say I loved your performance in Memphis. I saw it when I was in college. I wrote a paper on it, um, and I have it on DVD, so I'm a huge fan uh, of that show. So just hats off on that incredible oh, incredible thank show you, thank you thank you young, thank you young buck thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, but sort thank of speaking so on what you said uh it reminds me of when evita was last on broadway which is one of the very mm -hmm. few musicals to have a predominant predominantly if not entirely hispanic and latino cast it's basically in the heights west side stories half hispanic and right, you've got right. evita ricky martin played uh Che and he was phenomenal. I was very, mm -hmm. I was very surprised, mm -hmm. but when they couldn't find a replacement, they just closed the show because there was no one who could sell as many tickets as him. So it was very disappointing. My point exactly, Juan. Yeah, my point exactly, my brother. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Carrington, during your time at HBCU Go, uh, what trends have you noticed in entertainment, and what would you say um, are some patterns that you've seen uh, recently when it comes to? Um, to diversity representation and things moving in in one direction or the other. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, th I think to to double down on, on what Aaron mentioned, right, um, there are great programs that are out there, right? And I think that we're building on top of those programs and really trying to create new paths. Um, but it really doesn't change until we have some change on the top executive level. And that's just, you know, where it really lies, right? Because what it ends up being is is we're checking, you know, we're, we're checking off a box. And, you know, to Jay's point, even when you talk about, you know, the um, Broadway um, platform, right? Um, a lot of times they go for the bigger names because they feel safer. They feel like these are names that people will know, but they're safe uh, versus looking at talent level. Um, and I just think, you know, like I said, as, as Aaron mentioned, it really starts with taking those risks and understanding that it's really a skill set uh, and given the right opportunity that people put in put into the right position uh, can strive. But you have to believe that they can do that. And I think that's still a bit of a learning curve. Uh, that we have to get past. I mean, I think that there are tremendous um, strides that are being taken to add a lot more diversity uh, all around. Um, but it really has to be that top level, really kind of digging, you know, doubling down and saying, hey, look, guys, we are not only going to do this, we're going to do it the right way. And we're going to believe in the talent we have. We don't need to go over here and, and go other places. Uh, we're, we're, we're really going to focus on it. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's a continued conversation. Um, and I think that it's really, you know, going in the right direction, but we have to continue it. Right. And it's it's not just about race. Right. It's about sex orientation. It's about there's so many different things. Religion. There's there's so many different aspects yeah. that add to it that we have to be cognizant about as we look at these opportunities, because for a long time they were looking in one direction. Um, and, and, you know, that is what it is. But I do believe in today's world. With so many talent levels, with so many skill sets, there's just a plethora uh, of, of you know of people out there who can do a job and do it very well in front of the camera and behind the camera. And uh, Aaron, when it comes to uh, recruitment, as we were saying before, in advertisement and media and uh, and beyond, uh, what practices would you say that agencies and businesses can implement to increase uh, diversity and representation, um, not just for the sake of hitting numbers, but in a meaningful and authentic way? I think we need to all just realize that there's an investment of time that needs to go into this. It's not um, like Carrington said, like checking boxes. Hey, we've hit this, you know, metric that we set up and now we can tell the world that we're, you know, doing all the best DEI practices. It's, you know, personally, when I'm interviewing a candidate of color, for example, uh, maybe out of the industry for, uh, in, you know, an advertising job. Typically, my interviewing process is very, you know, it's about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the role. But if someone's not from the industry, it's my job as the recruiter to take the time to not only just write down what this person's saying and pass it on, but like, talk to me a little bit more about how you did X in that role. And how can I, as the recruiter, write that to the hiring manager and be the go-between and say, hey, so-and-so may have not done this in advertising, but this skill set within itself can easily be applied here. It's right. If you're a bass player in a jazz band, you can certainly play other genres, right? And be phenomenal. So I don't know why our in, you know, why within corporate America, um, we have this trepidation about bringing in talent from other areas um, that could really add value and push this industry forward, which it very much needs. Jay, as an actor, I'm curious, you've worked on a number of different television shows from broadcast uh, network shows uh, to streaming, and you're currently in um, the Miss Pat show for BET Plus. So I'm curious what you've noticed 
has been the biggest difference working on some of these projects that are black led black run and on networks like BET compared to others that are not have you noticed anything uh different between working on these different shows um <laughs> by far Miss Patcher is the blackest show I've ever worked on quote unquote um <laughs> as far as the 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 um the the, the storytelling is concerned and and uh, the perspective I would mm -hmm. say right um but the great thing about the great thing about our show is it is from it is from the the African American perspective. Miss Pat's perspective is based on her life, right? Any ethnicity, any race, you know, you can put them into those seats and they will be able to relate to it. Hmm. For me, relatability across the board, no matter what show I worked on, the Miss Pat show, Law and Order. You know, uh, the show with Queen Latifah, I can't think of it right now. It's the Equalizer that I, I worked on with her, um, doing commercials and things of that nature. It's, it's about relatability. You know, mm -hmm. when I'm watching this thing, is there's something about this show that I can, um, it's even when you come into theaters, right? You know, when you go, in, you go into, you sit down and you're like, who can I relate to? Where, where is it? Where is my end? To where with as I'm watching the show, I can be like, hmm, I understand what that is. That's attainable, right? So I think across the board, if there is a way to, you know, art is supposed to reflect life, you know, life reflect. So when you see that and you're watching it and you you want to see that they, that what you're watching is a reflection of the true reality that you're living in, the world that you live in. I think mm -hmm. most people want to see that, black, white, Jew, Gentile, anybody. Right. When it's not there after a while, you know, the demographic that I'm from is going to tune out because they don't see anything on there that rep that represents them. Just like with my white peers, they're watching shows. They might not see anything on there or see anybody on there that they can, re they can relate to. So they tune out. But in the storytelling, in the given circumstances of what's going on, if there is something that the, that the show is speaking about that anybody from any background can relate to, then that is the end. That is the end. Because our show is on BET Plus, a lot of people don't watch because a lot of a lot of folks outside of the African American race or people of color don't watch BET a lot of times, right? But what we're trying to do with our show, we're trying to break that cycle. We're trying to break that cycle. Uh, Jordan Cooper, who's probably as young as you are, one, I think he was in high school or college when he first saw Memphis also too, and decided to bring me in to play Terry on this show. He has that same vision of understanding, hey man, you know, look, if the world is going to change, like uh, uh, Carrington said and, and the other brother said, it has to start from, the, start from the execs. The execs have to want to accept the stories that's being submitted to them versus like, you know, I don't want to talk about that because that's not that's not where I jive with. That's not who I vibe with. So we're not going to do that. We're going to do this because this is with what, what, what the uh, majority wants to see versus or the mainstream wants to see versus the collective whole us here in this world together can look at this tube and have something to relate to in the storytelling right i love games of thrones right i love watching that show right but there's only probably one a couple episodes or so um i think it was last year where they had the, the, this family come up with these white dreadlocks and, and you know and it was like i was like okay wow it's, it's some some black folks on there okay um, all right, let's let's see what's going to happen. But at the same time, the relatability of the storytelling that was going on is really, really what got me. I got past the fact that they were black, but that they were they were human beings living through given circumstances. 
if that starts at the top and these scripts being submitted to these execs and these producers, then I think that's where the change can happen. And I think that's where I am seeing the change, working on a show like Miss Pat, then switching over, going to the Equalizer, and switching over, going to like Law and Order, and switching over, going to other, other uh, parts of the medium in front of that inanimate object we call a camera, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think if that is, huh, if we could see that light, I, I think that we can continue to grow as an industry. So a question for Carrington and for Jay, um, what type of representation um, do you think is lacking in media at the moment? Where, and where do you hope that that goes uh, in the near future? What do you want to see a bit more of? Jay, you want to start off with that one? I got to put some thought into that yeah. one. I was going to say the same thing, Carrington. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's a solid That's a, solid that's a good question. question. Let me put some thought into that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, if people begin to really, truly invest in understanding what content that they're seeing and knowing that it is a place of fantastical relaxation to step out of, right? And deal with some circumstances that's maybe actually going on in the world, but at the same time, knowing that this is a story told from a person's perspective and that they won't leave out their house thinking that, like for instance, when Danny Glover, Glover played Mr., right? This man could not walk down the street without somebody, you know, spitting venom at him. And it, it's an attribute to D Danny Glover's work. It's, a t it's an attribute to his work. He played the heck out of that role. But at the same time, people forget that they are human beings and they have a life outside of what you just saw in their tube. And to respect that and to honor that, you know what I'm saying? As far as the, the medium and the work is concerned, like I dare not go into somebody's office who's a, uh, um, uh, a medical profession and going and try to tell them what there's, you know, what medicine to, to render someone if they have a certain, you know, complication that they're dealing with, right? I, I can't go into it. So don't put that on me of being whoever you just saw. Know that that's my work and know that I'm a real person. That's why I love people like Don Cheadle. That's why I love artists like Jeffrey Wright. Okay, they are famous, right? But the thing about them is they 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 fly under the radar. They fly under the they take roles that that have a lot of integrity to it. They take they do they work with uh, great great uh, um, uh, other great creative uh, uh, people, and they they put out creative they put out great uh, creative work, right? Every time you think of Don Cheeto, you really can't think of anything that he's done that was like crap, right? You really can't think of, from my perspective, I don't know, you know, everybody got their own different opinion about who these people are, okay. But it's the same thing with like Jeffrey Wright, right? Same thing. Every time you see this brother, he is doing work with integrity. And when he's outside of the world, it's his own life. Don Cheadle used to still walk his kids to school when they were younger. You know, even though he was flying high, he, he you know, he was like, hey man, listen, I'm a family man first. I'm a father, y'all, I'm a husband. That's what I am first and foremost then I am an artist. So if people can respect that part of the medium, the normal people that don't do what we do and we step out, they will understand that, hey, you know what? It's a lot of work that's put into this. It's a lot of hours that's put into this. And so to respect that is, is, is just like me coming into your piece or coming into your home and not wiping my feet on the rug before I go in, right? That's disrespectful, okay? But, but for me, it's like, you know, hey, respect the process. Respect the artists respect the producers and directors that put these things together because it's a well-oiled machine. It's a bunch of parts that come together that work that people don't see. They, they look at the instant gratification 
of what's on that screen or on that TV, and that's it. They don't look at what got how you got from A point A to point Z. All they look at is like, oh my God, okay, now you're rich because you're on TV or you're doing this. Like, no, man, I have a life. I'm a human being. I'm living on this earth just like you are. Respect that. I think for me, um, I think what's what's lacking is still the diversity in the production companies we use, right? And I think that. You know, look, I think there's some stuff on the top level that we've already talked about, but I also think having a diverse portfolio of production companies you work with, writers, you know, actors, it's it's a whole set, right? And when you have all that, it brings different stories. And, you know, Jay actually made a good point, right? You asked him about his show on BET. I, I tell you, one of the, the best things that I have an appreciation for is when I work with different diverse production companies, and it's like working with the same production companies in, in any other uh situation right like you don't necessarily notice outside of the creative in terms of the professionalism you get the same you, you get the same everything right um and obviously the story and the creative will have very different because there's some culture things and, and things like that exist but i think we have to really start identifying and working with just that new that new set of of, of companies and people i think you know you find yourself in a lot of these positions where you're in entertainment or sports where a lot of people get to their plateau and they stay there for years. And it's hard mm -hmm. to get new stuff because nobody's moving, right? They're collecting a good check. You know, they, they they have kind of their way of going. And, you know, obviously why would they move? But they're not opening the doors for other people. And I think when you get the ability to bring in mm -hmm. diverse crowds, um, different groups, unique storytelling becomes a very, you know, the concept becomes greater. You, seeing how things are shot, working with different production companies. For me, I think that's really the biggest thing I really like because, you know, look, the change at the top is not going to happen overnight. These guys get there and they're sitting, right? Until, God forbid, something else happens, they're not moving. Um, but to be able to work with different companies who do have unique stories, who have unique groups that are make up their companies, you know, I'm always big on really a collective. I think hearing you know, stories and and, and, and outlooks and, and visions and um, all that from different sets of people makes a beautiful picture, right? Because I don't ever think that you can tell, and, and I'm not necessarily in every story, right? But I think when you have a collective group in certain situations, it brings more light to it because maybe how I would have told it, the way my people see it, may not be the same way, you know, a person over here has seen it or would interpret what I'm trying to say. But being able to have those different things play with you and understand those concepts as you're building, you know, re really on a blank canvas, um, it makes the picture beautiful. And I always just really feel that that's one of the big things that I think, you know, it's starting to get a little bit of movement, but we have to continue that that conversation and those strides. But I think if I had to really kind of to answer that, I think that's the biggest thing for me, uh, working with those different, you know, diverse groups. Uh, and like I said, it's not just about race, right? It's it's about it's about everything, right? Just it's it's not having the same group of people who've been doing it for fifty plus years, which is amazing. But you know, getting a new set of eyes and lenses and storytelling really makes a difference, and you can kind of see it when when those pe the pieces are put together. Um, but yeah, that that that's where I would I would go with it. Well, and real quick too, one. I think what I would like to see is it's a many, it's a few things I want to see. I'm sure I'm sure Carrington feels the same way. But the one thing I would really, really like to see is, for instance, I'm doing this piece called The Harder They Come here at the public. And it takes place in 1972 in Jamaica, cultural explosion, uh, the time this predates uh, Bob Marley, right? To have 
and and the entire cast is black. The entire cast is black. Okay, it takes place culturally in Jamaica. So for me, what I would like to see more of in in, in front of the camera and on stage is more people in those positions, directing positions, choreographer positions, uh, dramaturge positions, to see in this light are people of color who understand the sensitivities of the story that we're speaking of. So as we're building and creating, there won't be any any way in shape, form, fact, anybody being, um, I don't know the right word, hurt or put into a bad position of how they may feel of how things are being interpreted from someone who doesn't really understand the culture at mm. all, the sensitivities of that. And I think I would like to see more of that on both sides. You know what I'm saying? But if we're just speaking from the Black diaspora, I'm, I'm going to say I would like to see more of that. Um, it would make me it would make me feel as an artist in the room that I'm in a safe place and that what I'm saying and what I'm bringing to the table is being taken for granted because one might be living off a stereotype of what they think that is versus the reality of what one goes through if you look a certain way, living in a certain part of this world during a certain time. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. that's one of the things, one. There's a lot of stuff, but I'm going to just shut up right there. <laughs> <laughs> And before we head out, Aaron, what is a call to action to the industry leaders who may be watching and listening to this conversation? I think it's an act. We need to take action and not, not just sit around talking, right? I think that's what we see a lot on TV is, um, you know, executives uh, who've been in their roles for 50, 60 plus years, um, whether that's, you know, actually like from the TV side or on the business side, um, Stop. Let's stop the conversation. Let's not stop the conversation, but let's also now take action on what we're saying. And I think we need to realize that it's not, not going to be something that is going to be seamless. Um, but I, I do think the more we're willing to allow um, the industry to adopt uh, folks with various skill sets and various backgrounds um, until that happens, yeah. we're not moving it forward. Um, and we're just going to keep repeating the same stuff over and over again. Um, so I would say, let's get a little uncomfortable. I'd say uh, for folks, um, whether, you know, if you're if you're a white person, I would say, you know, I think the conversation needs to be less. We need to stop speaking so much and let others kind of have their voice, um, which unfortunately just hasn't really been the case. And just like uh, Jay and Carrington were talking about, you know, having folks at the executive level or at the choreographer level, you know, represent the, the cast, I, I think in corporate America, let's have the executives represent the employees. Um, and I think until we see that happen, um, it's going to be a long road. Well, gentlemen, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Uh, Carrington, Aaron, and uh, Jay, thank you so much. And uh, to Everyone over at Ampersand, thank you so much for, for sponsoring uh, this episode of Multicultural TV Talk. And for all of you listening and watching, we thank you as well. Please be sure to visit MediaVillage.com for all of our reviews, interviews, podcasts, and more. And give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at MediaVillage.com. I'm Haniala. This is Multicultural TV Talk. Thanks for joining us.